0: morning uh well i assume you're listening to this in the morning we're doing it in the morning uh welcome to the Bridging the gap podcast uh you've got me and dave here this morning talking about um, the sermon from sunday and on one thessalonians it was uh great on sunday to be together um in the hall and on zoom but we're really looking forward god willing this sunday to all being together back in the hall and not needing to use zoom um dave what are you what are you been missing in the past week in particular when it comes to um, Not doing church as normal, in inverted commas.
1: Yeah, normal's a strong word, isn't it? Um, I think just, I suppose, in particular, whenever the kids go out, just like the whole cohort of them, like yeah. going running out, the fact that some of them are at home makes me quite sad. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just so much better for everyone to be there and just the, yeah, I suppose the, the gathering of the body is always a good thing. And um, on the, on Sunday, I was like, everyone's seen that I'm preaching, and they're just not showing up because it was ten o'clock <laughs> and the room was completely empty. And then there's this like surge of bodies come piling yeah, in. It was yeah. quite funny.
0: I think I think the welcome team were pulling their hair out trying to get people to the right seats in, in, yeah. uh, in short notice. But yeah, it's going to be so good, isn't it? And uh, keep praying, everybody that as advertised we are able to go back to normal this sunday that's the plan and it's just going to be so good to not have allocated seats and all be able to be back in the hall yeah i'm so looking forward to it this sunday night we have a quip as well yes we which we forgot to mention on sunday actually but disaster uh, so what are we
1: covering we are doing um like a gospel outline so talking about um so we know the gospel in the sense that it's simple enough to get it into a sentence yeah. or six six or a key ideas which then in theory
0: will help us answer yeah. people's questions um and so, the idea of this this equip stuff for this term really is to to dovetail with passion for life stuff isn't it to help equip us in yeah. sharing, sharing our faith so brilliant. exactly yeah, yeah. yeah looking forward to that and so, then
1: after easter we'll be doing more discipleship stuff tom roberts is going to teach us how to do a bible study or lead a bible study
0: brilliant. so that'll be good excellent and the, so this is 7 30 p.m this sunday yeah, at the school. Anyway, sorry, this isn't meant to be a public service uh, broadcast as such. We thought we'd like get it. all that stuff in and yeah. start all links to Sunday morning. So Sunday morning just gone. Um, Dave was preaching to us from 1 Thessalonians uh, and the first 10 verses. So we're starting to get into the, the series proper now. So Dave, just uh, start a question for you. So much of what you said on Sunday was about assurance. I think that's fair to say. Paul was assuring himself and his readers that they really were secure in the faith. Um, and your first point was how about how, I think the phrase used was, your life now shows that you were chosen by God, a wonderful thought. So this idea of choosing is so often raised in the context of assuring God's people. For example, Paul does that in Ephesians 2. Would you agree with that, that uh, this idea of choosing, is often it's often usually about reassurance, and if so, why is that context important?
1: I mean, the context is always important, isn't it? We preach that constantly, because... Without the context, the words are completely meaningless. So the main reason why the context in these situations is important is because it reminds us that Christians can never and should never use election choosing, whatever term it is, you know, to say to someone, well, you're obviously not elect or I don't have to do that because I'm clearly chosen by God. It's it's just very clearly marks out the boundaries yeah. of when and how the sort of idea should be used, which yeah. is always helpful. Whenever you go to comfort someone, you can like assure that assure them of their election. Yeah. Um, which is quite nice mm-hmm. if you don't. Yeah. If you use it in other contexts, you are misusing it. Um, I think what we need to remind of is this isn't just like a Paul, appalling idea. Mm-hmm. Um, It's an idea that crops up in Deuteronomy. So in Deuteronomy it says, The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you, there it is, the big word, because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So I suppose that's a helpful reminder as well. And again, just to harp on on the context thing, you know fire in a fireplace the right context for a fire but put it on the carpet dangerous not the right place for it so it's the same with biblical ideas and terms you gotta use it in the right place
0: definitely so yeah so if we wrench it out of context it doesn't help if we read it in context it's so helpful isn't it because it's it's, i'm glad you quoted deuteronomy you know he's saying to the people after he's redeemed them from egypt yeah "I, i chose you yeah and the idea of choosing is directed at people who are christians isn't it it's not it's not saying to unbelievers you should worry about whether you're chosen or not. Yeah. It's just believe. Yeah. Um, c- come. But yeah. for believers, there's the reassurance. Yeah. In, in context. That's uh, that's really helpful. And
1: Deuteronomy, it's like, I've already saved you. You're chosen, rather than I'm going to save you. Therefore, like it's yeah. just that's where the order yeah. of it's helpful.
0: I like the yeah, I like the fire illustration. You could apply that to a lot of doctrines, couldn't you? Yeah. And get them yeah. in context. Otherwise they can they can burn. Yeah. Um, right. so the other thing you pointed out was that the Thessalonians were, to use the phrase you used, believers, lovers, and hopers. You then changed it to hopeful, I think, but actually I liked hopers. I, I felt like I was saying hoppers. I just thought <laughs> that was a bit weird. I got it, no, I got it. Believers, <laughs> lovers, and hopers. Um, why, why do those three Christian traits, you know, faith, hope, and love, why do they crop up so much in Paul's writings, do you think? And uh, why those three above others? Um,
1: well, I need to say that it was John Stodd who pointed – this out. Um, I don't want to steal from him. Um, I think as well, my sort of um, all Christians are believers, lovers, and hopers was immediately put to the test afterwards with the teenagers. You know, I believe that they are vital to our church. We love them very much, and we we hope that they come to know the Lord Jesus. But man, it was it was a slog on Sunday. And you know, even afterwards, I was at the hearts for lunch, and both. Eli and Josiah were like laughing because there
0: were like, yeah, it was awful. I was, <laughs> it's just like, hey, but wasn't it good they could say that and laugh about it? You, yeah. You get weeks like that, don't you?
1: Yeah. So anyway,
0: that's a side point. We did talk
1: with the teenagers after church on Sunday, which was like pulling teeth. Um, but we made the argument that all people are believers, lovers and hopers. You know, see what you make of that. But, you know, we all believe in something. We all love something. We all hope in something. So I think that's why that idea comes up quite a lot because, you know, all people um, believe in different things, essentially. But I think the reason why Paul keeps bringing them up is because it is such a helpful summary of the Christian gospel. They are um, the seeds of all the the labor that we see, Mm. that he he upon. Um, They're the source of a Christian's fruitfulness, their faith, hope, and love.
0: So yeah, I think, I think that's why. And so follow up to that, then how do we become, I know you did touch on this, but chance to say a little bit more, maybe, how do we become better hopers?
1: Yeah. Good question. I think it's a difficult question as well. Um, I remember John Rhys mentioned how Um, there was just a time whenever he felt like he was complacent about heaven and flippant about hell. I think, that, I think that's a lot of us, isn't it, Matt? You know, mm-hmm. complacent about heaven, like, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to be there. And flipping about hell, like, we don't really think about it or, you know, we don't think it's that bad. I think part of being a better hoper is by spending more time thinking and meditating on what the future holds, you know, for, for us as believers, but also for those who don't yet believe. Um, you know, that belief that eternity is real. And what we do now matters because our eternity is on our doorstep essentially. I think in one Thessalonians two, which I'm preaching on in two weeks time, mm. Paul talks about the Thessalonian Christians as his joy, his glory and his crown. <laughs> and I just think, wow, what an, that's an eternal perspective, isn't it? Yeah. So thinking about mm. our church, our non-Christian friends, as our joy, hope, and crying, yeah. you know, thats a, yeah. that'll motivate you, won't it?
0: We're just so focused on today and tomorrow, can't we? Yeah. Uh, understandably sometimes, but that that's that's helpful to think, yeah, look up, look forward, have that eternal perspective. That yeah. that feeds our hope, doesn't it? Yeah. So another, just to quote you back at yourself, another phrase you used was, true faith will always show by working. So um, here's a devil's advocate question in response to that. Couldn't I have a real private faith, a real trust in Jesus, that isn't obvious to the world around me. Isn't that possible?
1: Um, You can correct me because this might seem like a bit harsh at times. Um, I think think you can have a real private faith. I think the danger is people see extroverts like me, potentially, Mm. and think that is what real faith looks like, being an extrovert. When actually, if you're an introvert, you might be just a bit more quiet, reserved, yeah, yeah, etc. Yeah. Um so maybe I wasn't that clear on that on Sunday. But I think true faith shows itself by, you know, living a life that is dedicated to Jesus. So, you know, doing acts of worship, for example, coming to church, like coming to church doesn't save us, but it's a good sign that, mm. you know, we have faith in Jesus if we want to be with his people, hear his word preach, sing his praises, mm. you know, reading your Bible, praying, coming to church. I've already mentioned that. But that like that is a real sign of private faith but I think whenever you say it isn't obvious to the world around me that's where I get a wee bit bogged down I think because are you saying that no one at all in your life notices you exhibiting the fruits of the spirit like love joy peace patience faithfulness goodness perseverance and so on mm. then I don't know if you necessarily have a private faith if it doesn't make any difference in your day-to-day life in work and play with you know family whatever uh this isn't supposed to be a way to batter people but paul is saying what jesus said in john's gospel you know if you love me you will obey my commands and part of that is doing what he says
0: and speaking yeah ab- about him yeah got you no that, that makes sense so it, it always shows somehow doesn't it so i, I good point i think if you're not an extrovert or you don't have a you know more public platform in your ministry then it might not be hundreds of people who are seeing this but yeah. the, what about the people close to you does it does your faith show in some way to you and to the people who, who know you well yeah I uh, i, I uh,
1: used the silly illustration on sunday about um my faith and my brother's you know investment recommendations mm. <laughs> i think like, <laughs> Niall doesn't know that I haven't acted on those things. Might do now. But it might do now. So I suppose that's where that illustration sort of falls apart because <laughs> that can be a private thing. Yeah. But this faith in Jesus can't be something that only between you and God. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean and I'm I'm agreeing with you actually but, but another another sort of devil's advocate question, if you pardon the phrase. Okay. How is that not salvation by works? Um I don't think I don't think it can be
1: salvation by works because they're the fruit of Jesus's work yeah so these the things that we're doing you know laboring persevering working are all they all spring from faith hope and love mm-hmm. in Jesus so this isn't us doing things in order to make ourselves right with God but as a loving response to what he has done done for us yeah. so
0: yeah so where the the, the faith and the works come in the equation really matters doesn't it yeah. you put them in the wrong place it's not biblical balance you put them in the right place they make sense
1: yeah 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 you are saved therefore you work rather
0: than mm. you work therefore you're saved yeah absolutely yeah good thanks um so the message had rung out you said i I'll you your illustration with two separately sized bells which was very impressive oh my i had such a, so i was like oh i'll be really clever i'll buy a little
1: bell um
0: did you but buy that bell? I
1: bought the Wee Bell and then showed up <laughs> at school and there's that big stinking bell sitting there that I've never seen before. And I was like, Oh, why'd I waste money on th- this <laughs> little thing? So then I had to so you know, if you're a massive extrovert, or maybe you're just a class of you're the big yeah, bell.
0: Do you know it worked really well though, didn't it? Yeah. And uh, yeah, but we, we meant to ring out to some degree. I'm also smiling, just envisioning someone on the finance team saying your 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 next claim form. So, one bell, yeah, like, we bell. What? Um, <laughs> so, but you did, you did say that they they the message had rung out. Their yeah. faith had become known everywhere, which the bells illustrated so well. Yeah, and we the the phrase you used, which is great. We each have an opportunity to make a little jingle. So, my question: How has passion for life been helping you? And um, maybe think about how it's helping us. See how we can do that. To even if it's just make a little jingle that we actually do that.
1: Um, I think. I think it's helpful to be reminded that every single day we have an opportunity to to share something of Jesus with anyone and everyone we meet. Um, that sort of idea that, you know, for example, I had the bell in my bag as I was walking to school and you can just hear ding, 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 like as I walked. Um, and I think that is helpful to think, you know, everywhere I'm going in theory, I should be jing, jingling, jingling, jingling all the way um (laughs) sorry um but that sort of idea that um neighbors whoever i can't pick and choose Mm. who i share it like i can't pick and choose who hears the jingle essentially Mm. um and i think it's sort of stuff i've been thinking about from colossians you know making the most of every opportunity not just the opportunities i fancy yeah so passion you know last thursday night's passion for life video i thought was really helpful just saying there's literally opportunities everywhere. We just have to
0: see it. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, don't forget, we, we mentioned about equips in the evening. Don't forget this Thursday, uh, we've got our, our last uh, life group together in the hall. And uh, you do need to book in for that one. So okay. right. after Friday, don't need to book. Yeah, but very nice. th- for this Thursday, you need to book. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. another public service thing. Yeah. Um, so your third point then, Dave, was about them turning from idols to serve the living God and to wait for Jesus. I love that. Turn from idols to serve God and wait for Jesus. My question arising from that, what what do you think the particular idols of our culture are? You did start to touch on a few. um, Idols that you think are particularly prevalent in our culture.
1: I I do keep coming back.
0: Maybe it's just where the Lord's
1: pressing some trigger points at the moment. I think comfort Mm. is a really big idol of our culture in that, you know, our houses where we live, wherever turned into, like, castles where we, we pull the drawbridge up and we retreat and no one comes in rather than sort of an embassy where just anyone and everyone can come in and sort of, well, an embassy of the king, like, come in and yeah. taste the goodness of Jesus. So I think comfort, because it, I suppose it's such an idol because it gives us that sort of illusion of, of safety when actually, you know, jesus talks about you know we can build up bigger storehouses to store our stuff and then the next day torn down we die they, f- they fade away um so i think that that's quite prevalent um quite funny again with the youth on Sunday, we're talking about like what idols could they be could there be and they've threw out lots of different great ones and we sort of reflected that they they Or little idols, yeah. Like parents, kind of, you know, live through their children, or you know, yeah, definitely. um, It's that saying, and I, I imagine it is true. Like you're only as happy as your most unhappy child as a parent. Yeah. So you can draw a lot of your satisfaction, identity, hope from how well your kids are doing or how well they're behaving because it's you feel like it's a reflection on you. Yes. Scary, but good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, once again, that's something hard for me. You know, it's easy for me to say that because I don't have kids, but I suppose I asked that question. You know, if someone looked at your life, what would they say your idols are? If we're being honest with ourselves, probably, yeah, children would be one of them.
0: And yeah, you've, you've got to try and look at it. You can see others' idols quite clearly sometimes, when you think of our own? Because so one of the things I'm finding interesting, look at one, um, one Thessalonians 2. And Paul's ministry, the ministry of Paul, Silas Timothy, you know, he keeps saying we weren't we weren't out to please men. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the idols for well, all of us I guess, but maybe especially those in public ministry is you that you want you can live on the praise of people if you're not careful. Yeah. And that can become a real idol. So yeah, looking at, at us society generally, but as individuals. I mean and I guess we're starting okay. to talk. Okay, so they they are some of the particular idols in our culture, which I guess there's always a danger of them creeping into the church, isn't there? It was yeah. making me think, as you were saying it, talking about children. Mm. Um, what about particular idols in danger of establishing themselves in the church, whether that's the church generally or the, or the bridge in particular? What might those idols be? Yeah,
1: I think we're always in danger of making an idol of success, you know, mm. almost like running the church like a business. You know, we should do X, Y, and Z and get people through the doors, Yeah, etc. When like, by nature, preaching a sermon is not exactly a crowd pleaser, is it? You know, it doesn't <laughs> no.
0: draw people in. So I suppose success is quite quite a big one. And, and like, actually jumping in there, suppose on an individual level, that could be, you know, Christians can be we should be sharing the gospel. Faith should show, but on the other hand, we can think, well, I didn't I didn't get any success in those last six conversations I had. That can that can become an idol too, can't it? Oh yeah. And I've I've heard a
1: story of an evangelist in Australia. Who shared the gospel with stacks of people mm. saw absolutely no fruit from it, was depressed and was off on his own, and actually he died, and a hun- hundreds of people he shared his faith with became Christians ten years down the line, yeah. and he had no idea.
0: Um, and so it's had- so important, isn't it, this balance in church life? On the other one, on the one hand, you can't use that as an excuse for not sharing, yeah. not praying, not. Not striving, but I'm just thinking of the other words you mentioned on on Sunday. The gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Yeah. It's ultimately the Spirit's work. Yeah. Sorry, I'm in, I'm interrupting you. Carry on. No, but that's that's <laughs> starting me off already with that first one. That's spot in terms of the
1: like the bell ringing. Like we're responsible to to say or mm. to speak and make sure people hear. It's up to God to do His work. Yeah. Um, I think, um, for us, I think. It's good that we desire a building i don't think that's a wrong desire mm. but i think it can easily become an idol because we think yeah. once we have a building everything will be fine everything mm. will fall into place and obviously lots of problems will be solved by that but other problems will be created so yeah. i suppose just that awareness that um once you have a building you know lots of churches have buildings and it doesn't you know they're not suddenly yeah thriving um i think also Maybe this is again, generally, probably us as well. But you know, whenever you're known as a church that is has good teaching, for example, or strong in their doctrine mm. and very faithful, you can be quite cold in love. Mm. So you can sort of say, "Oh, well, our church is really, you know, we know our systematics really well, mm. but actually, as soon as that's, it, it's a cliche or a stereotype, isn't it? Where like." very reformed doctrine, strong churches are strong in that area, but weak on love, whereas more liberal churches are weak in doctrine, but really strong yeah. in loving and serving. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if that's an idol, but just, we can make an idol out of, well, we do good preaching yeah, here absolutely. or
0: whatever. Yeah. I mean, ouch, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know.
1: Well, like even, you know, so for, for me, an idol, I just, whenever you do a sermon,
0: you're going to say me, aren't you, Dave? I know. So you really shouldn't. Guilty. Like I that. just stare Matt all the way through the sermon. <laughs> Please. judging by the look on his face just now, <laughs> listeners. He wasn't about to say that.
1: No, but like, I suppose whenever you preach, you're like putting, putting yourself out there completely. And then, you know, no, no offense to any listener, but sometimes you just look out and there's absolutely, it just looks like nothing is happening. Yeah. And you're just like, gosh, I am I, on Sunday. I was like, Lord, taking me to glory because i'm
0: absolutely useless at this <laughs> but it was obviously something that paul himself at some level must have struggled with or at least been aware of because he so- talks doesn't he about he was they weren't setting out to please people no. i'm coming to that this sunday yeah um so he knew there was a danger of wanting to please people that's yeah as we said before that's an idol too isn't it yeah hmm. okay um we i think we'll end up i making this an idols podcast if we're not careful yeah, but true. um haven't uh, thanks thanks for all those answers there was a lot there um last question for today, haven't asked this for a while I don't think, but it's worth asking when you're in one of Paul's epistles especially the what did you leave on the cutting room floor stuff so what did you glean that you had to leave out the sermon, maybe a fourth point you saw but didn't have time for, anything you'd want to add in um, good question um,
1: I mean there's always lots in any given sermon, Do you know what I was reading I was reading Esther this morning and I was just like gosh it has been ages since I've Pre- like preach the narrative and you know you read a whole chapter and you're like gosh we spend a lot of time in like eight verses and i have mm-hmm. no idea what we do when you have 40 verses to, <laughs> to read there'll be a lot of uh, cleaning um <laughs> sorry that's just a random side point um i think i was really interested by the idea that the people in thessalonica became imitators of paul and they in turn were being imitated by churches and Achaia and macedonia mm. you know it's an interesting concept to think about how Paul says, you know, in 1 Corinthians 11, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So sort of the fact that in the Christian life, of course, we're always seeking to imitate the Lord Jesus, but we should, we should be looking to people to imitate mm. who in themselves are imitators of the Lord Jesus. So, you know, we model this in some ways in uh, children, youth ministry, you know, you all, you want to, the younger ones that imitate the older youth, and the older youth that imitate the leaders, as they do yeah. the Lord. So, as was in church, we're always looking for leaders who lead by example, mm. but not saying, "Do as I do." But these are do these things because it helps me love and be more like the Lord Jesus. Mm. Um, I think the fourth point would basically be about how difficult a concept uh, concept that is, because you know, then those people themselves become an idol. You know. What happens if, you know, what happens if people start imitating me, and then you know you find out I'm a big stinking sinner? Or what happens if mm. someone you imitate? We've seen this seen the a lot a lot recently. Sadly, haven't we, where people that we've looked up to Im- imitated have turned out to, yeah. to have well poor character. Um,
0: it's interesting. There's almost a strange tension in this being an example too, being being yeah. someone to to imitate. That on the one hand, you, to be someone that people can imitate you want to be someone who's growing more like jesus yeah but also this side of glory part of being a good example is being clear and honest about the fact that we're sinners who need grace yeah it's that, it's that funny tension isn't it yeah yeah um yeah and I, i'm thinking could i could i say, could I say that to people that can i say that to my kids imitate me as i imitate jesus that's gosh yeah. wow that's a powerful thought isn't it
1: well yeah even you know that sort of so for example um before before like a youth group or a meeting or whatever you know i know lots of people who before they start doing a meeting they pray mm-hmm. and i feelingly do that every so often but i'm imitating their actions yeah. because i'm like oh why do they pray before a meeting? oh it's because they're dependent on the lord yeah. um so that's an interesting thing i think as well whenever we leave something out in a sermon series you're trusting that if it's a really important theme it'll come up again and imitators comes up in chapter two yeah so i suppose that's where i suppose it's part of our jobs to know that idea comes up again i don't need to do everything in this sermon i can trust
0: you know matt to take up the ball in this one i'm sure people appreciate it when we resist that temptation or we'd be having lots of very long sermons yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that thanks for all that Dave so we're, we're following up on um one Thessalonians on Sunday we're in one Thessalonians 2 yeah uh, don't forget equip Sunday evening and don't forget to book in for life group in the hall this Thursday evening uh lots to look forward to this week I have not booked in on Thursday I need to get, get on Dave <laughs> you got your laptop there you can do it right now yeah nice <laughs> see you soon